You are listening to The Heart of Christ, a year-long podcast of Wheatland Presbyterian Church. Throughout 2022, we will spend time reflecting on Dane Ortland's book, Gentle and Lowly, so we can come to know not only what Jesus has done, but who he is. What is his deepest heart for his people, people who are weary, stumbling, sinners, and sufferers? So we invite you to grab your Bibles, prepare your hearts, and come along with us as we find rest in the gentle and lowly heart of Christ. Hello, Wheatland family. This is not your host for the Heart of Christ podcast. This is Luke LaDuke. I'm filling in for Keith Winder on this episode, episode 17 of the Heart of Christ podcast. And today I am pleased to be joined by Clint Watkins. Clint has been at Wheatland for two or three years. Clint, how long have you been around? Since 2019. Okay, so since 2019, and um, I know you and Jillian, but because of that 2019 date, you guys were new to Wheatland, and then COVID comes, Mm -hmm. and I imagine that because of that, there are many people in our congregation who probably don't know Mm -hmm. you and Jillian and what you guys do uh, here in Lancaster, and uh, so I thought it would be helpful before we begin to talk about Gentle and Lowly that you could share a little bit about you and Jillian and uh, what you're doing here at uh, Wheatland and what you're doing in Lancaster. Mm-hmm. So welcome, Clint. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Uh, well, I could start just by sharing what we do. So I work for Disciple Makers Campus Ministry. Uh, and it's similar to if people are familiar with RUF or crew or navigators, uh, our focus is making disciples of college students, introducing them to the gospel and helping them know and share God's word. Um, I'm primarily based at Thaddeus Stevens, but I also help oversee our team and I help at Elizabethtown college and Lebanon Valley college. Uh, but what brought us to Wheatland and actually one of the reasons why, uh, a lot of people probably don't know us, is our grief is what brought us to Wheatland back in Mm. 2019. Um, So in 2018, we lost our first son, Eli. Uh, He was diagnosed with a fatal condition when he was, when Jillian was uh, halfway through the pregnancy. Um, We continued the pregnancy. He was expected to live at most minutes if he survived delivery, but he passed away during delivery. Um, And what brought us to Wheatland is the the church that we were a part of at the time was a church plant. And so being in full-time ministry, being in in really terrible, disorienting grief, uh, and then also being in a church plant, which requires a lot more of of its core members. um, Yeah, we, we... just stepped away from from that church sure. um, we're still in we're still friends with pastor sure, it just wasn't right. a good fit for us at the time and also spiritually and relationally things were just difficult for us mm. uh but in 2019 when we started coming to wheatland we would literally come late <laughs> and leave during the benediction mm. like mm-hmm. we would come 
and leave so that we didn't have to interact with people. Yeah. Not only just the grief that we were struggling with, but small talk was really hard, especially as parents who had lost their only child. Mm. A, a question that typically comes up is, hey, how many kids do you have? Or, right. uh, and that was just a really piercing question to yeah. receive. Um, and relating with people was just yeah. hard at that yeah. point. So Wheatland, the reason we came to Wheatland we were involved in PCA Church back in Gettysburg when we lived there. Actually, mm-hmm. a church in our presbytery, right. Hanover yep. Valley. Drew and, Dareth. Yeah. yeah, Drew Dareth, um, a good friend of ours. Um, actually, Drew Dareth preached at Eli's funeral. Mm-hmm. Um, we find a lot of comfort in liturgy, mm-hmm. and we love the the value and the the formative reality of liturgy and especially right. when we could not sing right uh to be able to show up have people sing around us be able to at least uh say the prayers mm-hmm. um so not only liturgy but i don't know if you remember this luke the first time it might have been the first time we spoke i emailed you it was in 2019 and we had started a service with a call to worship from Psalm 13. Oh. And it was, how long, O Lord? Mm, mm-hmm. And that is such a rare thing to happen in a church these days mm-hmm. um, for lament to be the call to worship. Right. And it was so refreshing. Wow. So I emailed yeah. you. I do remember that. Yeah, I remember that well. <laughs> um, so that's what brought us to Wheatland. And, yeah. um, but then when we finally started to feel like we could start connecting with people, right. COVID, COVID hit. comes, yeah. Uh, and then in the middle of COVID, we found out we were pregnant. And then we lost our second baby, who we named Row, through mm-hmm. miscarriage. Mm-hmm. Um, so the past couple of years have been difficult. Um, right. And uh, COVID in there. And the last yeah. piece is in the f- this past fall, our third child, Conley, was born, oh, survived wow. delivery. Yeah. Uh, he's doing well, but also having a baby in the home is complicated. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So I feel like ever since we've come, we've been dipping right. in and out for various reasons. Yeah. But we love Wheatland. And, yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that's interesting. Uh, I'm glad you brought that up because I'd forgotten about that bit of your story, that email from back uh, early mm-hmm. when you started. But one of the beautiful things I think about the liturgy is giving you words when you don't have words of your mm-hmm. own. And I mean, the fact that you and Jillian would intentionally come in late and slip out early so you didn't have to have words mm-hmm. with people at that moment and yet to come into the worship and have our liturgy just saturated with words, God's words to us, um, words of confession that maybe you had to drop out of mm-hmm. at certain points mm-hmm. and listen to brothers and sisters say because of your own particular, uh, sh- the sharpness of your grief and loss and, and all of that. Um, yeah, that's a wonderful story uh, about how you guys got here. Thanks mm-hmm. for sharing that. Um, so... This is the Heart of Christ podcast, and the reason I invited you on uh, this podcast uh, last week or the week before was that I know you've read Gentle and Lowly because we had a a conversation about that. And I thought um, it would be really interesting for us in this setting to talk about the overlap that... I think probably exists, and I'll let you describe it for mm-hmm. us, but I'm sort of prodding you with this, that I think there is an overlap that exists between what Ortland has done with Gentle and Lowly and the rich gift that I think this book is for the church, and um, the fact that you are actually, because of the experience of this grief that you 
uh, opened with as you shared a little bit about you and Jillian's story. You are actually in the middle of writing a book on lament. Mm -hmm. And I thought it would be really fascinating to get to sit with you and sort of explore some of those overlaps between what um, Ortland has written here for us as we seek to know Christ who is rich in mercy um, and to see what that overlap is with your experience in researching and writing. So I guess that's new information now too. So you're in the middle of writing a book. Tell mm-hmm. us a little bit about that and um, that process. Yeah, so um, actually Wheatland has a little bit to contribute to the fact okay. that I'm uh, writing a book too because, um, I mean, I spoke with you a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. I think it was the end of 2019 we got together. Right. Um, and I also spoke with Ned Bustard. Okay. Uh, and was, you know, nudged in the direction to, to write. Um, the reason I want to write a book on lament is because what we experienced in our grief was this tension point of lament being such a regular response to suffering in scripture that over a third of the Psalms are laments, Mm -hmm. you know, crying out to God, how long, O Lord, explaining their pain Mm -hmm. uh, and not, not jumping quickly to gospel conclusions and and declarations, but really wrestling and questioning and, um, and grappling with God and his promises so we felt um, really ministered to by the scriptures, but the landscape of Western Christianity uh, lament is incredibly rare. Mm. Um, and not not just on the individual basis, like how individuals relate to the Lord, but also corporately. Mm, right. um, and perhaps probably even more poignantly the, the in Western evangelicalism, the absence of a corporate sense mm-hmm. of lament, which, yeah. which, yeah, it adds to the disorientation because uh, one, it seems that one of the ways God in Scripture gets His people through suffering is lamenting corporately. Mm. I mean, Psalm is the hymn book of God's people, right? And over a third of it is lament. <laughs> yeah, and right. you would imagine that their corporate worship, yeah. you know, was was lamenting, and that would really help sufferers. But yeah, in the the Christian landscape. Uh, Lament is such a rare and frequent, infrequent uh, corporate reality in yeah. prayer and song. So I really wanted to help um, both individuals and communities of Christ uh, embrace and learn this reality of lament and put it into practice. And I think there's a lot of overlap with yeah. So, so, that, so then let me just ask that out, you know, uh, up front. As you read General and Lowly then, did you feel that particular kinship with what you felt like were Dane Ortland's aims with his book, as you're working through your own book on lament, mm-hmm. what 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 are some of those like major overlaps and and kinship that you feel? Well, I think so. There's two two main things come to mind. The way he ends his book mm. is go to Jesus. Mm. Like that's kind of like we've explored, you know. Page after page after page, mm-hmm. the heart of Christ. Mm-hmm. What do we do? Go to Jesus. Yeah. My book is uh, answering, okay, so how do we go to Jesus mm. um, when we're suffering? Right. And I, I would say that the scripture, one of the primary ways we go to Jesus is lament. Yeah. Um, and we can talk about the details of that. Yeah. But then even just the premise of his book based on Matthew 11, the context, if you back up, uh, Matthew 11 starts with John the Baptist lamenting. Mm. So he sends messengers and he says, 
uh, are you the one to come mm-hmm. <laughs> or should we look for another? I mean, right. he's, he's in prison, he's about to be executed and he's struggling with, yeah. hey, I've just given my, I'm about to give my life for the gospel. Is Jesus really the one? Yeah. And it's amazing Jesus' response is, uh, I mean, there's, there's a gentle correction there, um, but he assures John and then he turns to the crowd and starts bragging about John. Mm-hmm. Like here's John the Baptist seemingly, you know, wavering in his mm-hmm. faith mm-hmm. and not that he was being commended for doubting, right, but sure. it didn't it didn't uh, disqualify him. Right. So Jesus is uh, affirming John the Baptist at his lowest spiritual point mm-hmm. as he's lamenting, mm-hmm. and then just a few paragraphs later, that's when he says, "Come to me, all who you who are weary and heavy laden, mm-hmm. from gentle yeah. and lowly." So the it seems that one of the primary ways that we go to Jesus, who is gentle and lowly. Is by wrestling honestly with them through yeah. the land. Yeah. No, that's beautiful. That's a that's a really helpful um, way to read that chapter. Uh, as as Jesus, I just love that image of John in his wavering and in his fear, human fear, and wondering about the future. Here's Jesus extol him and then invite mm-hmm. all those who are weary and heavy laden. Actually saying to John the Baptist, dude, I know you're weary and heavy laden. Mm-hmm. Come to me and find your rest. That's lovely. Um, so that's one way that uh, there's that overlap. Um, we're we're talking basically about chapter nineteen today. It's loosely. We're this is sort of a putting it together. Going to sort of wind our way around in some general things. But I think um, in in keeping with where we're at in this podcast series, chapter nineteen is basically where we're at. And um, like picking up on what you were just saying, Ortland makes the point in that chapter that God is rich in mercy because mercy is is who He is. And I want to read this little quote uh, from Ortland in chapter 19. Um, But he says, If mercy was something God simply had, while his deepest nature was something different, there would be a limit on how much mercy he could dole out. But if God is essentially merciful, then for him to pour out mercy is for him to act in accord with who he is. It is simply for him to be God. And that's the end of that quotation. But this to me is one of those distinctions I think that surprises us. Um, It surprises us about God and his nature that um, mercy is something that he is. Because I think many of us approach God as if mercy is something that he has to give out. And we're always rationing God's mm-hmm. mercy mm-hmm. for uh, what we think are his you know, capacities for mercy toward us. But I think this has so much to do with our life and relationship with God. But I, I wanted to see, give that quote and then ask you, how do you see that connecting with our need to recover a life of lament? How does that framework of understanding that God is rich in mercy rather than God has a wealth of mercy. Mm-hmm. How, how does that, how, how, does, how do you unpack that as someone who is learning 
to live a life of faithful lament to Jesus. Yeah, I think part of it is, um, I wonder if one of the reasons we don't lament as boldly as people do in the Bible is because we think he's limited in his mercy. Hmm. Um, yeah. Like we, we think that the appropriate response to suffering is just quiet and composed trust. Mm-hmm. God knows what he's doing. Right. Like maybe even like rather than highlighting his nature and mercy, we highlight his yeah. nature and sovereignty. Like God right. knows what he's doing. Trust him. Right, right, um, right, right. Rather than recognizing he's, he's merciful in that you can approach him with all the burdens of your heart mm. and all the questions that mm. you have for him. And it's not... Uh, the, the you know the clock isn't ticking to the point where he's done with your questions right. and wrestling yeah um so even just highlighting his yeah. nature and mercy right. rather than overemphasizing mm. not that you can overemphasize his sovereignty but highlighting that right. in the in the state of our suffering yeah that's really interesting that's helpful and i think i mean i'm now thinking about your and jillian's story mm-hmm. and when you've experienced such a profound loss and grief um, that you all experienced at the loss of Eli, I can imagine that the way we're wired in Western Christianity um, to sometimes, like you just said, like focus on sovereignty Mm -hmm. to the exclusion of lament, Mm -hmm. I would imagine that there was this tension that you guys lived with, even if it was unspoken or maybe, I mean, mm. I would imagine it would be a whole other podcast for you to <laughs> yeah. give us lines that people gave you in your grief mm-hmm. that were um, significantly unhelpful mm-hmm. for you. Mm-hmm. But um, I would imagine you all were experiencing tensions, whether self-imposed because of your own, um, just the, the way that you all had understood Jesus at one level or from the community of Christ at large mm-hmm. that said, okay, now we have to be done with this. We've mm-hmm. given it some space and now we have to be done. Is that is that fairly accurate? Yeah. I mean, thankfully we had an amazing group of, of family and friends mm-hmm. who who did give us a lot of space to, to wrestle with the mm-hmm. Lord and, and didn't rush us to places of praise and, yeah. um, you know, this unwavering trust. But there were there were unhelpful things said to us or even just like, the uh, just the rhetoric <laughs> around right. with with blogs and books and, yeah, and yeah. sermons. I will say one line that stuck out to me um, was someone did say to me uh, it, it was meant to be a helpful right um, uh, statement, but they said that God is in control. It's not our place to question God. Mm. And what they were they were actually reflecting on something that their father had had said to them growing up. And one, that was really unhelpful. <laughs> right. Two, it also... Because you had a lot of questions at this point. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. I was reading a lot of really faithful men and women in the Bible who had, had a, lot a lot of questions, questions. and God invited them. Mm-hmm. So in the moment, it was hurtful because essentially what they were saying was, yeah. God is sovereign, he's in control, right. uh, trust him. Yeah. Uh, and I'm like, I'm reading like Psalm 13, you know, yeah. how long of the Lord. Right. Um, yeah. But then also it, it highlighted the fact that I think that's what a lot of people believe in mm. suffering, that our call is to mm-hmm. simply mm-hmm. trust in the sovereignty of the Lord. He knows what he's doing. Don't ask him questions. Right. Um, and yet 
Yeah, you read the Bible and it's just full of grieving saints mm. who ask really tough questions of the Lord yeah. and don't rush to find the answers to mm-hmm. that. So that was um, one of our experiences with that right. yeah, reality sure. of, no, that's of helpful. mercy. Yeah, because I think if you... If you, if you aren't learning and deepening and growing in your conviction that God is rich in mercy to us in Jesus, and that is really going to throttle, I think, a lot of your questions. Um, and I think if, if we're not constantly being reminded of that, lament could be something that you kind of can understand but you can't give yourself to it Mm -hmm. because you are still really um, concerned at your deepest level that this is actually an act of unfaithfulness toward God rather Mm -hmm. than something given by which we become more and more convinced of God's sovereignty and God's goodness and God's mm-hmm. faithfulness. So that, and that's the other interesting thing about the Psalms, that not only is it the place where one-third of it is filled with lament, mm-hmm. but the doctrine of God's sovereignty and His care are so rich and deep in the Psalms that they're not mutually mm-hmm. exclusive mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. one another. Mm-hmm. And, that, and that's that's an interesting thing. Well, and even with that, that's... Even highlighting that it is God's mercy to give us a way to process pain that is really honest mm-hmm. with God and other people. Mm-hmm. And even you read some of the Psalms, you're like, uh, I think what they're saying there is theologically incorrect. Like, <laughs> it, he's, I like Psalm 42. Mm-hmm. My God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Yeah. Um, you know, my, my refuge, yeah. why have you forsaken me? And he's going back and forth. Yeah. <laughs> he's almost contradicting himself in the same exact right. psalm. Right. And yet, God in his mercy has said, this is, a, this is actually a way that honors me yeah. uh, in pain, is yeah. when you, you lay it all out before the Lord, yeah. and that he's merciful enough to give us a process to, to talk through our pain and move towards a place in trusting in right. his sovereignty. Right. Um, as, as you're... You know, being, let's say, chapter 19, you read a chapter like this and you get reminded that God is rich in mercy. So I'm harping on this, but um, how do you process that in the middle of something like what you and Jillian have been through in these last couple of years? Mm-hmm. Like, how, how, how do you encounter that? from the words of scripture or from the words of a brother and sister because like I can imagine that you hear that and from the depths of your grief it doesn't fit Mm -hmm. (laughs) the Mm -hmm. story Mm -hmm. and it just seems like that is a particularly harrowing sort of place to be and to hear this I'm just curious how how do how have you processed that and how have you gotten better at processing that? That's a dangerous assumption that I've gotten. Well, better. that's true. <laughs> that's well, true. yeah. I mean, that's that's a helpful question because I was thinking about this. If you, if we were sitting here 
if I was doing this interview conversation in 2019, mm. probably be a very different demeanor. You'd mm. be you'd be meeting a very different client right. because my my gut reaction during that time was merciful. How is this merciful? Mm-hmm. Um, and I could just share some of the details. I mean, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, we from the moment we learned that Jill was pregnant, we were praying. It was a simple prayer: protect our baby. And then 18 weeks in to learn that he had a fatal condition, that was honestly one of the worst things that we could have ever imagined. Like we were mm-hmm. at that point, we were essentially, we preferred a miscarriage because right. his condition was he will continue growing in the womb, but he will not live outside the womb. So not only do we know he's going to die, we have to endure the rest of the pregnancy knowing mm-hmm. that that's going to happen. Mm-hmm. But then it got, it got even worse. So in the midst of all the grief, um, you know, we're wrestling with the Lord. We, we reassemble ourselves. And what I kind of, uh, as I picked back up the pieces of my faith in those first couple of weeks, I was just asking the Lord for a minute with Eli. And that felt like a bold prayer because mm-hmm. it was, you know, there were a lot of people saying, pray for healing, pray for healing. But this was a hundred percent, you know, fatal condition. Like right. there's no survival rate. So that felt like too bold of a prayer to ask for healing. But it also felt like, well, God asked us to pray boldly. Yeah. So like, okay, if I can just have a minute with my son, mm-hmm. that's what I want. That was mm-hmm. my prayer. And another thing that we started doing is, okay, if we only have this pregnancy to spend time with Eli while mm. he's here, what are some things that we can we can do to celebrate his life? Mm-hmm. So we decided to plan a dedication service at mm. our church. Um, we decided to do a maternity photo shoot mm. with our with our best friend. She was going to take pictures, and we were going to do a family photo with my my whole family so that Eli could be in a picture right, with his with cousins. Mm. And so. This is where I was like, how is this merciful? Because the maternity photo shoot was planned for November 7th. The dedication for uh, Eli's dedication service and that family photo shoot was planned for that following weekend. So that would have been the 10th or 11th. Jelly went into early labor on November 7th. So none of those things that we planned, which was in faith saying, okay, God, you give and you take away. We're going to trust you in this. Mm-hmm. Um we're going to try to mm-hmm. celebrate and honor mm-hmm. this blessing that he is. And none of those things mm-hmm. were able to happen. And uh, he did not survive birth. So that minute that I was asking for, didn't even get that. Mm-hmm. And so it was really hard mm-hmm. to say God is merciful. Yeah. Because with sovereign power, like, why not just any one of those things? Why even take yeah. all of those things away from us? Right. Um, now, 2022, Clint can uh, can talk about these things, and you know, as I sit here, acknowledge the mercy of God. Right. But I still can't look back and say, "Well, here's how He was merciful," right. by uh, yeah. you know, what yeah. felt like taking even more from us when He had already yeah. taken so much. Yeah. Um, and I honestly don't have like a a clean and tidy answer for that. Yeah. But I think that is what how God is merciful to us in that. He allows us to linger and still wrestle, Mm. even when we can't acknowledge the ways that the suffering he allows has been merciful. Yeah. And it's, and it's almost like living, the, the Psalms create not just 
a moment of lament, mm-hmm. but a posture of lament. And, mm-hmm. and they, they hold lament and <laughs> sovereignty together throughout mm-hmm. the course of the life. So it's not as if you have to get over this aspect of your grief and your loss. Yes, as you said, you're a different man today than you were in the freshness of all this in 2019. And yet, you are still... It's not as if God says, Clint, dude, you already lamented about that. Right. And it's time to move on. Mm -hmm. This is a posture of lament, a, a lifestyle of lament. And I think it's interesting that I uh, I think it was, um, who was it? It was a German, I can't remember if it was Martin Luther. No, I don't think it was. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, that's who it was, who in, in his little book on the Psalms talked about uh, the Psalms as the anatomy of a relationship between um, humans and their God. In other words, that what we're given in the Psalms is this picture, this diagram, in a sense, of what it looks like for a human being to be in relationship with mm-hmm. God. And that, that I think, um, really pulls lament out of this one-time thing into sort of a part of the regular dialoguing mm-hmm. with God and learning to become God's people over mm-hmm. and over again through this. And it, it just, yeah, so, so I think that's a helpful thing and it sounds like it's something that you and Jillian are actually, because of the places that grief has taken you, you mm-hmm. are, in a sense, that's the only way that you can maintain Mm-hmm. real and vital relationship with mm-hmm. the living God is through this practice mm-hmm. of lament. Yeah, and the way I describe it, so Eli was born November 8th, 2018. Um, part of me feels like I can't, part of my soul can't get past November 7th. Mm-hmm. Like that's why I've described it with friends, with mm-hmm. counselors. Mm-hmm. Like I just can't, part of me can't move past that. Um, and I think the way that God's mercy comes into that is not forcing me to come to some conclusion of November 7th mm-hmm. and November 8th, mm-hmm. but yeah, I, I will linger and live with that mm-hmm. until I'm with Jesus. Yeah. Like there's a lament and even several laments in the Psalms or even the way the Bible ends, it, it anticipates that Jesus will come, but we're still left with questions like, uh, even just Jesus is going to return. He's going to wipe away our tears. That means we wait for redemption with tears on our face. Mm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. yeah, I will continue probably for the rest of my life shedding tears over November 7th and November 8th. Mm. Um, knowing God's mercy in allowing that to occur. And I will continue lamenting. Yeah. Um, and that, again, that one have made me feel too much better in 2018. Other than the fact that what I felt was the freedom to grieve toward the Lord mm-hmm. and wrestle with the Lord right. rather than to like write this neat and tidy conclusion right. over my pain right. and still see that as a trusting relationship with yeah. Jesus. Wow. That's really wonderful and hard mm-hmm. and difficult. But I think the beauty of, of, of this sort of situation is that 
as a believer in Jesus, you are able to stare fully into the face of a parent's most uh, darkest and worst nightmare that they could imagine. And as a committed follower of Jesus, you don't have to hide from either God, although I'm sure there was some of that Mm -hmm. in the process, Mm -hmm. but in the end, there is this real and honest and open communication and and communion with God that doesn't have to pretend like November 7th and 8th was not really as bad as you feel it mm-hmm. is. Mm-hmm. And I think I think that's just part of the rich gift of God to us and I think that's part of what Ortland has been helping us see all along mm-hmm. that this life with Jesus, this relationship with God through Jesus, um, is able to deal with all of our sin and suffering mm. because God is rich in mercy mm-hmm. to us. And that's that's just such a, a, a gift to us. Mm. Tell me, um, just before we go, tell me a little bit about the book. Um, mm. So, you know, you've had this experience. You had it as someone serving in, in, in ministry and as, a, as one who proclaims the gospel to kids on campuses mm-hmm. here in central Pennsylvania. Tell, tell us a little bit about your book, who it's for, who's publishing it, when we might look for it at a store near you or yeah. however that works for well, this. Well, I wish I could give the title. We don't have a title yet. Okay. Um, the publisher is Good Book Company. Okay. Based in the UK. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, I think Sinclair Ferguson has had some books done through them. I think. I think, I think so. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Okay. So in the UK, um, it'll be. Uh, it's planning on being released about a year from now. So mm. fall of twenty twenty three. Right. And, and you've already got the manuscript completely done. You're just putting the <laughs> yeah, final touches on I it. Wish. Working on the manuscript right now okay. with my with my editor, and um, essentially it is helping people both as individuals and communities see the richness of honest wrestling in the scriptures and learn how to do it themselves, mm-hmm. um, both uh, with the Lord and with each other uh, in relationship and in worship. So uh, what I found so helpful was how from Genesis to Revelation, people are lamenting. Mm-hmm. I mean, from... Abraham, yeah. all the way, even Revelation, the saints, the suffering saints, the martyrs mm. ask the Lord, how, how long? long? Yeah. So if lamenting is happening in heaven. They're still <laughs> singing the psalms in heaven. How long, the Lord? Right, yeah. yeah. If, if that's still going on around the throne, then surely we mm-hmm. ought to be doing it here mm-hmm. uh, in a broken world. Right. And so I, I really want to equip people Mm. Uh, to, to know the language yeah. of lament and the freedom that they have to yeah. wrestle with the Lord uh, and also to move people from from hurting mm. so from feeling the pain and mm-hmm. um, being able to express and engage their difficulties mm-hmm. with the Lord and others but then also to move towards being able to be a welcomer of lament because that's mm. also really hard Wow, <laughs> lamenting yeah. is really hard listening to lament can be right. really hard yeah um, that's yeah that's another podcast isn't yeah, it really right. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's the the heart of the book to help that's people great. wrestle honestly with the Lord and yeah. see it as a 
as an act of worship, yeah. not something you need to do in order to worship. Right. Wow. Um, one last question, and this is just pure curiosity because it seems to me like your experiences and now you researching, writing this book, I would imagine that this is incredibly helpful for your work on the campuses with um, either students who only know Christianity sort of in its barest outlines Mm -hmm. or students who grew up in some sort of faith tradition without a robust um, acknowledgement or understanding of lament. How have Mm -hmm. you seen your experiences and all of the stuff that you're working on and putting together, how have you seen that um, come to the fore in your campus ministry? Mm. How much time we got? Yeah, right. (laughs) Right. Uh, I'll try to be brief. Okay. I've seen it in three ways. One, as uh, an amazing evangelistic tool. Mm. So often when we're sharing the gospel, a big question that comes up is, what about suffering? How can a good yeah. guy allow suffering? And our tendency is to want to give uh, reason and logic to right. answer that question. But often that question is coming out of an experience of difficulty. Mm. So rather than giving them a reason, showing that, especially because of the gospel, you have freedom to ask God that question. And, yeah. and he gives you this process to wrestle with him. So it's evangelistic and also right. pointing to the Jesus who laments with us. Mm-hmm. You know, Jesus wept. Mm-hmm. Um, I've also seen it as a corrective. Even last night I was on campus, we were talking about resurrection, Mm. and we're in a small group talking, and one of the students um, basically essentially says, death isn't that big of a deal Mm. if you're a Christian. Mm. Um, And I was like, very gently, actually that's not true. The Bible acknowledges that death is evil. Mm -hmm. Death is an enemy of Jesus, Mm -hmm. and he weeps at Lazarus' Mm -hmm. tomb. So Mm -hmm. no, you are a faithful person if you weep in the mm-hmm. face of death. So mm-hmm. more of a gentle correction. Right, That's not right. a rebuke. I would never. Yeah, <laughs> right. Uh, but then also just a huge encouragement to Christians. I remember studying Psalm 88 with, with a student who uh, has dealt with anxiety and depression. And the only response that she got from Christians was have more faith and pray more. Mm-hmm. And so we looked at Psalm 88 and with tears streaming down her face, she's like, I didn't know that this was in the Bible. Yeah. I didn't know that this is something that yeah. I could pray. And to point out to her that it's not just something you're invited to pray. This is a worship song. Yeah. <laughs> Psalm 88 is a worship song. Yeah. So by praying like this, you're actually honoring the Lord in your heartache. Yeah. Um, so I've seen that in a number of different ways. But yeah, evangelism, uh, gentle correction, mm. but also an invitation to, mm. to lament and work through yeah. difficulties. Well, that's, that's wonderful. Well, Clint, um, thank you so much for stopping by and um, mm. being so open about your story, I know a lot of this is so personal and um, so still difficult and real. Um, so thank you for your transparency and, and sharing this with us. Because I know, um, I mean, you don't know this, but I know as a pastor here that our congregation is filled with people who have been through not things exactly like yours, but very similar places of grief and loss and um just unimaginable pain Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. life in a broken world brings. And um, I'm grateful to have you as a part of our congregation. And um, I look forward to reading your book. We'll have to have you back on when (laughs) it's delivered and we can do some sort of uh, virtual 
book signing. I don't know what that would look like. Anyway, we'll celebrate somehow. Clint, Sounds good. thank you, and uh, thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for listening to The Heart of Christ, a podcast of Wheatland Presbyterian Church. If you'd like more information about our church, please visit wheatlandpca.org.